Happy Wednesday to you folks and welcome to Got Your Back NHL edition. As always brought to you by our title sponsors Kuma Outdoor Gear where they've got a wide range of gear to fit all your needs from tents and sleeping bags, travel games, pet products and drinkware and how about that switchback heated chair powered by Bluetooth technology. Super comfortable and portable. Kuma Outdoor Gear. Dot com is the website. Check out all they have to offer. So we say good morning to Pierre Lebrun. Bit of a, an abbreviated breakdown segment today, Pierre, because we have the general manager of the Ottawa Senators, Steve Steos, coming up. But lots of trade talk and such to get to. Uh, this is a busy time of year for you. As you hopped online there, you were head down, burning up your phone. I guess that's the story of your life right now, pal. <laughs> It is. It's funny because it's the calm before the storm. You know, a year ago, Ryan, we had a number of trades leading up to deadline from three weeks out, as you may remember, significant trades. So there was kind of a constant news flow from three weeks right to deadline day. We have not really had that. We had the two big trades, you know, two and a half weeks ago, but with Lindholm and Monaghan back to back. But since then, nothing. And it's not from a lack of trying. And, and part of it, I think, is people waiting on the Calgary Flames to uh, to decide uh, what they're going to do with Tanev and Hannafin, et cetera. That's definitely had some kind of impact on the market. Oh, you would think it has to. As we Let's just hop right in to our breakdown segment brought to you by our good friends over at Kinprint. Can help you in your business with all of your branding needs. Visit kinprint.ca. We're going to deal with some other stuff first, but you took it to the trade front. Let's just go there. Like It gets jammed up because there's one team that has – it's not just about, you know, defensemen necessarily, a couple of different positions, Pierre. It can really gum up the works. We've seen it in previous years. Is it going to be a scenario where a domino falls and then a bunch fall, you think, real fast after? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if Chris Tanev gets dealt at some point here in, in the near future, I think you'll probably see a flurry of activity right after that because just look at the right side of the, of the defense rental market. You have to separate yeah. Hannafin from Tanev. Because there are teams specifically looking for right shot defensemen. The Dallas Stars looking for a right shot defenseman. They've made an offer on Tanev. The Toronto Maple Leafs looking for a right shot defenseman. Um, you know, th- there's a number of teams in that specific market. And so you got Tanev, you got Sean Walker of the Flyers, you got Matt Dumba of the Coyotes, uh, Ilya Labushkin uh, of the Anaheim Ducks, and the list goes on. Those are all right side rentals. Hannafin is interesting because obviously he's a left shot offensive D having a great year. Uh, Tampa and Boston are among, I believe, four front running teams that have showed a lot of interest in him. But that's an interesting one. I mean, are they renting him out or are they thinking of signing him? Yeah. Uh, I think if it's Tampa and Boston, it's probably rental. I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell, but those are kind of separate markets is what I'm saying. I don't see an overlap between Hannafin on the left and the right shot D market led by Tanev. Risk reward waiting for the first round pick, right? You can sit around waiting for that first round pick, hoping that the market gets there. And we understand why Craig Conroy is doing what he's doing. I mean, it's your job to maximize your investments. But at the same time, it probably makes you a little nervous every time he goes out there. Because Chris Tanev, though he's proven himself to be durable, Chris Tanev is a player that lays it on the line, right? So can you get in your own way waiting for a return like this at times. I, I wouldn't want to well, be the one having to make that call. Well, I know that there's a couple of times in the last few weeks where Tanev has temporarily left the game just very quickly mm-hmm. for some 
time. And I can tell you from talking to someone that the Flames front office is like, <laughs> and then he comes back and they all, they all breathe a sigh of relief. And that's the double-edged sword. You're bang on. Like, I understand what they're doing. First of all, they're still winning games too, which is actually gumming up the works, quite frankly. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're waiting for someone, I think, to slap down that first-round pick. I don't think the offers that are on the table, including from Dallas, include a first-round pick right now. That could change, but right now I don't think they do. Um, the Leafs can't get him without doing that because they don't even have a second-round pick. Uh, Vancouver has interest in Tanev. Uh, I believe the Oilers to some degree, Ryan. It's kind of a fascinating thing. And and um, I also think that there are some teams that if they end up with them, will want to have an idea of whether or not they can extend him. I think that would apply to Vancouver. I think that mm-hmm. would apply to Toronto. I don't think it would apply to Dallas. I think Dallas, which, you know, they really like Tanev, but I think because of their their situation with their payroll, it would really be purely a rental, uh, which I'm sure is fine with Chris Tanev anyway if he has to be traded. But What does the number yeah, on an extension look like for him, do you think? What's the dollar figure, roughly, of teams that are thinking about trading for him? Or what? Like the Oilers, yeah. for example. We'll talk about them for just a second here. Let's say they trade for Tanev. And let's say they'll have to move money. Let's say they move Cody Cece out and they bring Tanev in and they feel you could make the argument, okay, there's an upgrade there on the right side. The question that Ken Holland will be facing is what does your blue line look like next year? Because now right. you're fishing in the rental market for a right shot guy when Cody Cece had a year left. So, you know, and, and Cece is three and change, right? So what can you get on the open market to replace that? Have you watered yourself down for next year? Yeah, I th- I think he's in that five to six million dollar market. I think it's yeah. less about AV though with Chris Tanev, Ryan, and more about term at his age. Mm-hmm. You know, people love his game. You know, there's a bit of a copycat league, as you know. Vegas won the Stanley Cup last year. What's the first thing you think of when you think of Vegas winning the Cup, Ryan? The depth. I think of the blue line. Yeah, the, way the big blue, blue line, line right? Yeah, the Warrior blue line protecting the net. Impossible to get space, so on. A lot of teams are viewing Chris Tanev in the mold of a lot of those Vegas D, as in playoff right. warriors. The guy that actually pays the bills even more come playoff time than than throughout eighty two games when you want to manage him, and and that's why there's there, there are a dozen teams I'm told that have reached out to Calgary and Chris Tanev. Whew. So he, he's that playoff mold guy, and and but you know he's also up there, so. You're asking me the question about his next contract. I think what's fascinating to me is what you love about the player is what would concern you about the term. Yeah, it seems unfair, but I mean, I mean the wear and tear because of the way um, he would go through a wall to win a hockey game for his team. And again, that's why there's so many managers out there that love Cristiano. So here's the question then: as we talk about you know, holding out for the first round game after game after game here. At what point does Greg Conroy need to start sitting this or other players out? We kind of see it every year. It happens. Um, Tough to do. Tough to do because that team feels like they're in a playoff race and you start sitting players out and you lose three out of four and now your players are like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it is tough. So if you're, if you're, a normal spot selling team, when I mean by normal spot, if you're a selling team that's out, usually about a week out, you know, you know, five to seven days out, you start sitting guys. Um, yeah. But the Flames are right on the periphery of that race, right? I mean, I still think if you look at the math, it's difficult with all the teams in the West, you know, trying to fight 
for seventh and eighth. And I say seventh and eighth because as we tape this, Nashville and LA Kings tied in points. Yeah. So it's no longer just about the eighth spot, Ryan. But um, the math is working against them. And, you know, listen, here's the other thing I would say, and you may disagree with me on this. And it's easy for me to say because I'm not in that Flames front office and, and I don't have an owner asking me about all this. The question I always ask about bubble teams at this time of year is this. If you slide in, do you think you have a Florida run in you? Mm-hmm. Do you think you can go to the cup final? I don't think that's the case for the Calgary Flames. They're not getting past Dallas or Colorado. Um, they're not getting past, uh, you know, uh, probably Winnipeg in my mind. Now, the Pacific rivals are interesting. We just saw them beat Edmonton uh, and Vancouver. People keep wondering how real are they. I think they're pretty real, but... I don't see them beating Vegas. So my point is, if you don't think you have that kind of run in you, honestly, you got to look at the longer term here and you got to make sure you get a return on your UFAs. To me, yeah, that's true. But the interesting thing, though, Pierre, is that you can really punch a hole in your chances to go on a Cinderella run if you trade your starting goalie, too. You know, if if you were keeping the goalie, (laughs) if you still had the goalie, you look at your team and you're like, hey, man, when you got a tendy, you know, you got a chip and a chair and a chance and you, you know, but... If you're really ripping the guts out of the thing, then yeah, then it's tough to feel well, like you've got that the chance. The problem, Jacob Markstrom, as amazing as he's been this year, and I think he's been a top five goalie in the NHL, is that it's a one-team market. I mean, the Devils mm-hmm. are the only team that have tried to trade for him, and that's not because other teams don't think he's having a great year. It's because goalie trades at that level are so rare in season, as you know. They're difficult to pull off. they are weird dynamics involved. And if the Devils – and now the Devils – you heard Darren Dreger talk about them briefly on Insider Trading Tuesday. I mean, the Devils now are teetering on, well, wait a minute. What are we doing here at the deadline? Um, yeah. And this road trip in California from New Jersey, uh, they started with a win in San Jose, but this is going to be a big road trip this week. I think the Devils are waiting to get through Sunday's game in L.A. to decide exactly where they are. And, uh, you know, if the by the way, if the Devils suddenly decide they might have a piece or two to sell, I'm not saying they will for sure, but if they do, Tyler Toffoli, pending UFA, all that guy does is oh, yeah. score goals. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you that's a guy you would want for a playoff run, man. Like That guy's a well, gamer and scores goals and competes, adds fire. Cures your power play. Cures your power play automatically yeah. just by standing 100%. in front of the goal. <laughs> yeah. So the Toronto Maple Leafs go on a real nice run. And I don't know if that run changes Brad Treliving's thought process, gun sights at all, if it adjusts anything, right? Mm-hmm. That was a big question around Edmonton when they went on their run is, does that change what Ken Holland feels he needs to do? Feels pretty glaring what the Maple Leafs need to do here, Pierre. And yeah. back to reality last night, right? As Jeff O'Neill put it, stinking out the joint. Um, but where is the sense of urgency at for the Maple Leafs to make that change here? and maybe get ahead of it to just guarantee they get to make the change they want. Yeah, they need a blue line upgrade uh, in a perfect world. Right shot D. They dressed six lefties <laughs> against Vegas, mm-hmm. which was, uh, you know, Lilligren little out. Um, you know, that's not going to be the case most nights. But but obviously, and listen, Brody's played most of his career on the right side, even though he's a lefty. So it's not like they're all technically lefties. But they were all left shot D. Um, and so they need a right shot D. I just don't know if they if they can pull off a Tanev deal. I, I know Brad Living loves a guy. He already signed him once in his career. Um, but no one will say this from either organization. So this is just me. 
I feel like there's a Rad Tree Living surtax <laughs> from Calgary <laughs> to get Chris no. Tanev. I, I think that that's a trade. You're not that losing Craig that Conroy, trade. Yeah, I think that Craig Conroy has to be able to look at Murray Edwards, the owner in the eye, and say, yeah, we made them pay. So because of that, I think it's more likely ends up in Dallas or Vancouver, Edmonton, who knows. But uh, that's why if you're the Leafs, you got to look at other options. And, um, you know, uh, Labushkin played in Toronto a couple of years ago. He was acquired <clears throat> around this time, and he actually was pretty good. And, and he's, yeah. you know, rugged defensive force. They actually would need Sneaky that. Sneaky so good hitter, man. Yeah. Like, really good hitter. Uh, you know, so uh, Sean Walker, obviously, in Philly, the Flyers want a first, and they haven't been offered that yet for Sean Walker as we tape this, my understanding is. So there are other righties there, but I think it's – pretty important for the Leafs to acquire at least one of those guys. Let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers here briefly, the team that I cover here in town. My sense is, is unless something completely uh, falls through the floor on the goaltending front, they will stand pat there. They'll go as far mm -hmm. as Stuart Skinner is going to take them. The question becomes how big an upgrade on the blue line. Do they drop a number six or a number seven, a veteran guy in? I believe that's most likely. But Pierre, to me, it's it's a right winger who clearly fits on the top two lines, like has to clearly, right. clearly fit on that line with Leon Dreisaitl. And if you don't find that guy, then go get a center instead. For me, that's the right. logic that the Oilers follow. Either, you know, it's because either Because you can Eberle, move McLeod around, I guess. Yeah. And that allows yeah. you to move McLeod yeah. around. That guy probably is on your list of players who can move up too. There's no point in going and getting yeah. another tweener winger who isn't quite a fit in the top six and can't play center. To me, there's no point adding another winger to the roster of guys that audition there. Third line yeah. center or a clear second line right winger. I agree. And, um, you know, there are certainly options at the wing there. I, I mean, again, I've said this before, and I know that the Oilers internally have talked about it a lot, but if Jordan Eberle truly becomes available, you know, I love the story. Uh, you know, as a journalist, I love the story of, of a return to Edmonton. But I also know that he's a veteran player who could deal with the moment, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could deal with the moment and the pressure and the spotlight of arriving in Edmonton for a playoff run. But there are lots of guys. I, I, I mean, um, you know, Pittsburgh, I think, has to trade Gensel, but that's mm -hmm. going to be a heavy price. Uh, we just talked about Tyler Toffoli. What if, you know, what, what if the Devils decide to uh, to put him out there? Um, Mantha has you know, popped his head up a little bit here recently too, hey. And you know, there's a well, there's no there question that Holland. Washington. I wrote about this last week. The Caps were trying to go right to Mar close to March eighth, and then truly decide if they were in or out of the race because it's important to them yeah. to stay in the race as long as they can. But yeah, yeah. they've got Mantha Pacioretty. I believe Pacioretty's a name that the Orders have kicked around. He's got a full no move, uh, another pending UFA. Um, so yeah, the Caps. Um, you know, Tarasenko in Ottawa. So the Oilers have. I think lots of options. And what I'm seeing right now, Ryan, and it could change, but especially if Toffoli goes on the market, I see the options outnumbering the actual teams buying. Right. So that should help the buyers closer to March 8th because I, I feel like we just mentioned way more names than our teams looking to upgrade at that position, if that makes any sense. Yeah, keep it on Adam Henrique, I think, too. The dollar figure is a little bit high. You'd need to get another team involved to half the salary again. Yeah. But the guy kills same penalties. Same with Mantha, by the way. Yeah, same yeah. with Mantha. Yeah. He play, yeah. uh, kills penalties. Uh, natural center, can play the wing. 
And uh, I did speak to a former coach who said that he, he can play right wing if need be. It's probably, you know, not the preferred position, but he's a versatile enough player that he can do that. And I think that's uh, that's an interesting name for Edmonton, but we shall see what Ken Holland uh, gets up to. Where are you at on the Vancouver Canucks? Probably some frustration here recently. Uh, they got ahead of it early. Um, do you see another moving of the dial in their near future? Well, we mentioned Tanev. I mean, I think one more D in some form. Um, you know, when you're a team that that wants to go deep in the playoffs, uh, mm-hmm. that's that's a natural place to to look to add. And they tried to have Tanev included in the Lindholm deal. <laughs> Give them credit for trying, but yeah. but the pieces weren't fitting for Calgary at that moment. But uh, I think they still have interest in him, uh, among other D. And obviously, you got all the uh, the Pedersen noise of the last week. Um, and I think it's mostly noise. I mean, I will say that it is, I, I have been able to confirm that the Canucks have talked, have heard from a couple of teams just checking in and saying, what's going on here? Uh, and that's because he hasn't signed extension. Uh, he hasn't been willing to engage in contract talks, hasn't given the green light to his agents, Pat Brisson and JP Bear of CAA to, to engage meaningfully in contract talks with the Canucks. So I think that's why the Canucks have gotten calls. Mm-hmm. And that has led to... Uh, <laughs> A lot of <laughs> podcast talk show airtime being uh, used up in Vancouver yeah, the last yeah, few bet. days. Um, I will just say this, and I've been wrong before, and but for the life of me, I cannot imagine how it would ever make sense to trade the guy before March 8th when you're in first place of the Western Conference. I mean, obviously, you might say, well, it depends what they get in return. I understand that. But this has to be an off-season discussion. Either you sign him long-term this summer, or you go to Vegas at the draft and say, guess what, everyone? We've got quite a quite a player that's on the trade market now. This has to be a June conversation. Uh, you know, it's either sign long-term, which he may, may very well do, or it's a Matthew Kachuk situation where he's RFA <laughs> for one more year before he's UFA, and then, you know, time to, uh, imagine? time to see what's out there. But the idea, I mean, again, I could be wrong, I just I don't understand the scenario in which if you're Canucks management, it makes any sense to even take any trade discussion seriously right now between no. the next eight, eight nine days. No. Like, take him what are you on doing? the run. You're in first place. Yeah. Yeah, take him on Again, the run. Again, it's not like he's happens. walking out the door. No. He's not walking out the door July 1st. He's an RFA. He's not a these, UFA. These rules exist for a reason. So precisely that. You do not have to do that. You don't have to right. trade him. Why would you not take him on this run, see what happens? Maybe and he'll have a out. different feeling. Maybe he'll have a different feeling after. You never know what you might. You go through the battle with the boys, and you come out the other side, and you and hey, you know. Yeah, and and I'll point one last thing out on 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 that is that if he's unwilling at this point to engage in contract talks with the Canucks, why would he be willing to engage in contract talks with a team he doesn't know? Which presumably, yeah. if you're a team that was actually getting serious about trading for him in the next eight nine days. You would need to know what it costs to sign him. Yeah. Well, why why would he be in a position where he doesn't even know this team? He's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead and and extend with them. I don't see that. I think no. I think if he's wanting to wait till the end of the season, that's probably a reaction that he's going to have for every team in the league, not just. I mean, guys. think of the list of things guys are looking for, right? They want a, most of them. They want a chance to win, right? Well, look at where the Vancouver Canucks sit right now, and if he stays, they've got a hell of a better chance to win. He immediately increases those chances. And then you want to live in a place, you know, maybe a place that you like. If you're a young person and 
Um, you know, well, Vancouver's a nice city and such. So I'm not sure, you know, unless it has to do purely with location. Yes, I'd like to live in that state because of state tax or something like that. You've made up your mind on that front. But like, yeah. I, why wouldn't you? You never know. I mean, some guys, some guys end up, you know, saying I want to go somewhere where maybe hockey's not number one and I have a bit more of a yeah. quieter life away from the rink. I'm Who not knows? suggesting that's happening here with Pedersen. I, I don't know what's going through his mind, to be quite honest. Uh, you're not going to business. chat with... Oh, go ahead. Continue. No, I just got to say. And it's not on my business. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Mind your own business, Pierre. Jeez. Uh, you're going, full disclosure, you're going to chat with Steve Steos here shortly. I'm in a time crunch here as we tape this morning. The Oilers have an early game tonight, so I got to go blazing out the door to get to the rink. But let's chat about them real quick. And disclosure, you haven't talked to Steos yet at the time we're taping this. So uh, what's your sense here on uh, on the level of aggressiveness? There's Tarasenko sitting out there. There's been some chikrin talk too, which is kind of interesting, right? He was a big acquisition and had contract left and was, was supposed to be part of things moving forward. And I imagine you'll ask some of this to Steos and he will not answer any of it. So give me your opinion, Pierre. What do you think it'll look like for him? Yeah, and Dreg's touched on this uh, on Insider Trading, but you know, one of the things he said, and I agree with from what I'm hearing too, is that I don't really see the urgency in, in a Chikrin trade. Uh, he signed. Uh, to me, this sounds like an off-season conversation, if at all. I mean, he may just play in Ottawa the rest of his career. But the idea that this somehow had to get figured out for March 8th, it, it doesn't like this is a time of year where pending UFAs, you have to figure them out. That's what the yeah. trade deadline's about. Now, some teams try to make hockey deals for players on term, but mostly what we're seeing are, are, are rentals. He's not a rental. So I, I, I agree with Dregs that it's probably more unlikely that he moves. Tarasenko's a UFA. So mm -hmm. I don't really see a future for him in Ottawa. Um, he has a full no move, which complicates things as far as the return and, and the list of teams he might be willing to go to. But my sense of it from a few conversations is that he just wants to go somewhere and have a chance to play playoff hockey and reintroduce himself to the market July 1st. So, um, hmm. you know, would Vegas with Mark Stone and LTIR, would Vegas be a potential destination for Tarasenko or for Jake Gensel? Keep an eye on the Golden Knights. We know they're not shy yeah. and aggressive. Well, how's this top six sound? Evander Kane, Connor McDavid, and Vladimir Tarasenko, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Zach Hyman. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I mean, I know it's five years ago, but Tarasenko was pretty darn good in those playoffs when they won the Cup in St. Louis. And that would be 100%. the other thing here is that you, you know this better than me from the team you cover, but part of the Corey Perry appeal was the Cup ring and that there aren't a lot of champions in that room. Um, mm hmm so that would be another, you know, depending whoever they get, someone with a cup ring would be an added bonus, I think. All right. Uh, great trade talk as always, Pierre. And we look forward to continuing to follow you at The Athletic and on Insider Trading as well. Before we get to our interview with Steve Stales, do have to ask you about uh, Matt Rempe. He's been the story in the National Hockey League over the last week or so. Young guy, big guy, tough guy, fighting all comers, scoring some goals, giving great interviews. You know, there have been a lot of elements that have, have been a fantastic story and you, and you feel excited for the kid. But there have also been a few pieces of this, taking some pretty hard punches, pretty hard fall yeah. to the ice with no helmet on. Uh, it also kind of gives you this, I don't know if it does the same thing for you, bit of a pit in your stomach too, wondering where this might go and maybe wanting somebody to hit the brakes a little bit on the, the pace at which this whole story is going and the way this kid is, has hit the NHL. So what's your sense on it, Pierre? In a lot of ways, a great well, story, but also you want it to stay a great story. 
Yeah, but I mean, first of all, you know that I'm not the fighting guy. I I, mm-hmm. I believe in the NHL without fighting, but I, I've I've not beat that drum as loudly as I used to because I understand how many people still want it as part of the game. And frankly, because it has kind of disappeared a bit over time, I haven't had to beat that drum as much. I, I, I love that he's trying to make a name for himself. Uh, I, I get that it's exciting for Rangers fans. I hope he does not fight for a while. I really worry yeah. about the knocks he's taken here. Um, I hope that Peter Laviolette has taken him aside and said, you don't have to, you know, you've proven yourself, you've made your name now, now establish yourself as a, as a player. I hope that's what we see, but the reality is because he's so young that if he gets, you know, challenged to a fight in the next few days, he's probably going to take it on. Yeah, and you know, uh, I do a podcast here locally with Jason Strudwick, who you know was a tough player in that league for a long time and did a lot of that. And the point he makes, as much respect as as I'm sure everybody has for his willingness, um, clearly needs to you know doesn't play a lot of defense when he gets into scraps. And as Struddy said, and I'll take Struddy's word on this, needs to learn how to do it a little bit. Right, needs to be able to protect right. himself in some of these fights when you do that job. Uh, if you're all offense, uh, it can get real tough real quick. And he saw that already, right, with, with his scrap in Columbus. Right. So I agree. I think, you know, for somebody in the organization to pull him aside, uh, hopefully, you know, some, whether it's someone in management or his head coach and just say, hey, you know, love the willingness. Just because someone wants to have a chit-chat with you and warm up doesn't need, mean you need to fight him that night. This stage stuff yeah. off the draw, we expect none of that from you. Protect your teammates. Be a good teammate. If anything happens in game, so be it. But we do not have this expectation of you. I think that's where the league is at now. This stage stuff off the I, to me, it's it's antiquated. It's long gone. It's completely unnecessary. Guys don't need to make the tour anymore. The new guy doesn't need to come into the league and take on. It, it's just not where the game is at. So um, yeah. it's been a great story. You're super happy for him, but you do want him to pump the brakes quite a bit here. And I get why Rangers fans, a lot of them love it. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to deny how a lot of old school fans miss this part of the game. It's just harder for me to embrace it again. It's not like I won't watch if it's happening. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. But when you know more about CTE and everything else, it it just makes you uneasy, quite frankly. And, um, you know, that's right. That's where I am on that. Yeah. If it happens through the course of a game the game itself and the players in it believe there's still a place for that in the game and so be it. But as I said, that stage stuff and all that's not, I don't think he needs to be engaging in that, but I mean, he's lived his whole life trying to get here and now he's here and he just, you just want to hang on to it. You can only imagine the way that must feel for him. So certainly happy for him. uh, Yeah, it's been, it's been quite the week for him. All right, great stuff, Pierre. Uh, that was our breakdown brought to you by our great friends over at Kin Print. Uh, all right, the Ottawa Senators, one of the teams to keep an eye on as they head towards the trade deadline. And Pierre getting a chance to sit down with uh, new general manager, Steve Steos. And as advertised, joining us now and got your back, Steve Steos, GM of the Ottawa Senators. And Steve, Ryan Rashog is not here in this interview because he was so upset that you left the Edmonton Oilers organization after last season that he refused to take part in this interview. I'm just kidding. He's obviously at Oilers practice right now, so I'm flying solo here. But looking forward to this chat, Steve. And that's a good place to start. I mean, uh, to remind our listeners and viewers, um, you had quite a decision to make. Um, you were a key part of that Oilers front office. 
but obviously a special opportunity uh, with Michael Anlauer in Ottawa. Maybe walk us through that decision, um, leaving the Oilers for the Senators. Well, the Edmonton Oilers, Pierre, mean mean a lot to me as an organization. I think going back as a player, um, I was still trying to find my footing as an NHL player. And uh, when I landed in, in uh, Edmonton, um, I was given a great opportunity with a great coaching staff and general manager and the leadership in the um, with Kevin Lowe and Craig McTavish and Charlie Huddy and, and the group there. So um, uh, the, the Oilers organization means a lot to me and my family, and uh, we, we still have some of our best friends that uh, live in Edmonton. Um, but uh, as far as my my career, it was, uh, it was a wonderful year with, with Edmonton, and, uh, uh, you know, the situation sort of unfolded where, um, you know, this opportunity in Ottawa was uh, was there, and, uh, obviously, with my you know previous uh, re- working relationship with Michael Andlauer and the Hamilton Bulldogs, um, you know it seemed to be be a good fit. Well, and since you've arrived in Ottawa, it's been an eventful few months. Lots going on, um, including a change at the at the GM position and a GM search, and then you end up deciding to hire a guy named Steve Steos as GM. I mean, are you sure about that? How do you feel about that hire? with uh, obviously stepping in in that role. Yeah, it was a unique process. Obviously, Michael is is uh, the man in charge and making the decisions. So, um, yeah, as as everybody knows, we had a lot of things that were thrown at us here in Ottawa yeah. early on, um, including, uh, you know, uh, a half-year suspension, uh, you know, injuries, and then the, so obviously the Dadnoff situation and uh, – um, you know, Michael had made the decision that he wanted to to make a change. At that point in time, we we looked at it uh, uh, from all angles. Um, you know, we had uh, a lot of names and structure um, that that I had presented to to Michael. At the end of the day, he makes the decisions, and so uh, he was comfortable with this uh, structure moving forward. And uh, you know, we've continued to build off of it. I think when you look at when you go start looking at names on a GM search, there's obviously many capable people out there that uh, that could do the job, and um, we continue to look down the hallway and uh, Ryan Bonus and uh, his continued ascension in the in you know in the in the game and his experience and winning experience with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So um, we felt that uh, uh, we had candidate a candidate there that uh, certainly. Uh, could work alongside me in the GM position to to continue to move this thing forward, and then obviously with the the major addition of David Poole and, and um, all the experience that that he brings and the wisdom and uh, just really the type type of person that we want in and around our group as well. And I would I'd go so far to say that Poole is probably one one of the most I don't know all the executives in the National Hockey League, but got to meet a lot of them here, and uh, I think you could say that I could easily say that Dave Poole is one of the most understated. Um, and, uh, and and extremely capable. So um, we feel good about that structure. Um, I know Michael talked about having a, a two-headed monster. I think that we're, we're even deeper than that in that regard, and we'll continue to, to, to build off of it. Well, we definitely miss Pooley at TSN, so you, you owe us one there. Um, <laughs> so here, here you are running your, uh, your first trade deadline as a GM. I mean, you saw Ken Hall and, and the group last year in Edmonton run one. How's it been going? What are the calls like? I mean, um, you know, you've heard a lot of different stories over the years of first-time GMs at this time of year and how those conversations go. But 
in your case, you know, what's it been like uh, having to really live off your phone right now? Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's been good. It, you know, we've had, uh, we, there's a process that we've put in place and an understanding of what maybe our, our needs are. Um, we're using the trade deadline as one opportunity to continue to build on this young group. Um, so yeah, there's certainly a process in place and, and players that we have, we have, uh, as far as types of players that we have targeted and, and, and value moving forward. And it can uh, continue to support this very good young core that we have here in, in Ottawa. And, uh, um, you know, when you look at our group and just the youth and, you know, in, in a re most respectful way, the lack of experience, um, you know, it, 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 you'd like to see if, you, if there's the opportunity to bring some veteran people in here uh, to support it. But, uh, um, trade deadlines are are just one opportunity to be able to build off of that, and uh, and uh, typically, as a, as you know, Pierre, the, the market really dictates on on what you can do and how much you can do. But as far as us entering it, we're we're involved um, in trying to address some areas, um, but we're also very patient and understanding that uh, these things do do take some time. And like I said, the trade deadline is just one opportunity. Right, the off season can can be just as fertile a, a time period on the calendar to to go add some of those leadership and veteran types that you've talked about. Um, but you do have a more pressing decision to make on a guy like uh, uh, um, you know Vladimir Tarasenko, Steve, who's a pending UFA. This is really the time of year where pending UFAs you know come into the forefront if, if your team's not in the playoff spot. Obviously, he's got a full no trade, but uh, as you know, I know there's not. You can't share everything, but where would you think that situation is? No doubt, I know from talking to other people around the league, there's interest. So where, where do you think that's headed with Tarasenko? Yeah, I, I won't go so far to talk about the, the, the personal dialogue but uh, on any of our players, but, but certainly I think as you see where our team is in the standings and you see a, you know an incredibly impactful player that's won a Stanley Cup, um, there's going to be a high level of interest for sure. Um, you know, uh, he's, he, you mentioned it, he's, he's, he's rightfully negotiated a no, a, a no trade clause within his contract. Um, and so there's a process there as far as working with a player, any player, if, uh, if you are going to move them on, on that as well, but, uh, certainly there's, there's, um, there's a level of interest in these types of players, um, that's very high at the trade deadline. Um, I, I really like what Vladdy has brought to our group. Um, you know, he's, uh, he comes in on a one-year deal and continues to, uh, to prove his, you know, his, his ability to play big games and, and, uh, an understated leadership as well. He plays the game the right way. I think he probably got typecasted a little bit in his career as just being an offensive player, but he's, uh, he's certainly a well-rounded player for, for me. Stanley Cup champion with the Blues in 2019. Um, there was a tweet over the weekend, and I don't always want to react to these things, Steve, but I think it 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 uh, caused quite a stir in your market, so I am going to ask you. But there was a tweet suggesting that uh, you were talking to teams about Brady Kachuk trade-wise. Uh, I'll let you address that. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> It, that could not be further from the truth. I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't follow on social media. Um, I do get, uh, you know, our, our our communications people alert me to things like that. Um, it, 
there's obviously no truth to that. Like we're, we're building this team around Brady Kachuk, uh, you know, and the type of person and the type of player and the type of leader that he is, um, you know, he means everything to the organization and, and he brings it every night <clears throat> along with our, our core group of, of players. And, uh, you know, it's a matter of time and a matter of nurturing this, this group. I think, you know, when I, when I talk about bringing in veteran players, it's really to support um, this young group and to support Brady and Tim and the rest of the group. Um, Claude Giroux done a phenomenal job of that, but I don't, you know, you could, you could always use, you always use those guys that we're, we're, we're the, we're the fifth youngest team in the league, you know. So say we're three, three years younger than than you know uh, these Stanley Cup contending types of teams, but it's three years younger across the board. So that adds up to a lot of years and a lot of games played. And really, that that that's really it. But uh, but certainly, um, Brady is um, the leader that we we need in this room. Um, he is everything that as advertised. He and. Uh, um, I'm just looking to try and do my best to support him. Jacob Trickrin's a name again, and you can't control when other teams maybe want to talk to you about a player. Uh, your phone's going to ring, but Jacob Trickrin's a name that's been out there because of that. I mean, he's a you know very good defenseman. How would you frame where that is right now as far as his future with your team? Well, I mean, if if I'm on the other side of things and looking at our team, he's a player that I'd be calling about as well. And uh, right. you know, it's it's it is a bit disappointing, and maybe a, it, I guess the players as a player, you you got to learn how to you deal with this. Just being an NHL player and the amount of attention, especially if you're an elite player like Jacob. But uh, you know, conversations happen all the time, and names get bountied about all the time, and. Uh, um, you know, like I said, I think I'd be calling about Jacob Chickering myself if I if if I was looking to to add <laughs> a top a top defenseman. So I mean, again, disappointing that it came out. I think that we tr- we do our best uh, to to keep these things in house for out of respect for the players in particular. Um, but certainly, it's uh, it's it's that time of year, so you know these things do happen. My last question for you, Steve, and thanks again for for taking the time, but. Uh... I think it's been fun to see Jacques Martin behind the bench, uh, especially for an old guy like me, um, seeing him back there and it brings back some memories. But, um, you know, what's your sense? Uh, and, I, and I know what you said, obviously, when you made the coaching change, but what's your sense of, you know, where it's headed with the with the head coach job after the season and, uh, and your expectations there? Yeah, well, I think, you know, when, when I decided to make the change uh, with the head coaching position, you know, you start to no different than I guess when we talk about the management structure. Mm-hmm. Um, you start looking at what you really need. You really break down what you really need and the philosophy and where our team was at. Um, and uh, you know, I brought Jacques, Jacques in to support DJ and the coaching staff. I thought he was going to be, a, and he was. He was a great sounding board and uh, calming presence for uh, the previous group. Um, there were indications of improvement within that group. Um, and, uh, certainly when we're, we go to make the change, um, everything our team needed at this point in time with the youth, um, you know, what is everything that Jacques Martin is all about and to be able to bring in that type of experience at that time, um, you know, was a real bonus for us. And so it took a little bit of time, you know, 
those are players that have played a certain way for a very long time. And it takes time to get to, um, to, to, for the new coach to come in and Jock's done a, and really implement what he needs and hold our players accountable. And I think we've seen great signs of, of improvement and maturity um, within that group. And to have the benefit of having Daniel Alfredson uh, alongside Jock with bringing the philosophy and the discipline, the structure, and then you have Alfie there to be able to continue to deliver that message and really be able to relate to these players. Um, I've seen great improvements uh, as a team and, and in our individual plays. So I uh, couldn't be more pleased with the job that they're doing. And, and just to be clear, because I, I mean, is, are you, were you still looking to do a coaching search and, and in the off season or, or where is that at right now? Yes, we will. I mean, and, and Jock will be part of that as well. I think that, you, you know, you have that type of experience and uh, um, he's laying the foundation for this group. And, uh, you know, I, I'll continue to have, I've had great dialogue with Jacques prior to bringing him in as we brought him in and the process and the plan. He, he cares deeply about the Ottawa senators and wants, wants us to have success. Um, and, uh, I see him being a part of this moving forward. Great. Well, Steve, thanks for joining us. You're going to be a busy man here. You're working your first NHL trade deadline as, as a GM and, um, and you certainly lived it as a player, so you have that that side of it too as as you deal with things here. But uh, thanks for your time and uh, good luck here over the next uh, eight nine days. Thanks, Pierre. All right, that'll wrap up the podcast for this week, Pierre. A bit of a different schedule next week, given that the trade deadline uh, is just a couple of days out. So we might push to a post trade deadline podcast next week. Um, I know how busy you're going to be. So I will bid you farewell today, my friend, and Godspeed on that telephone. Happy hunting for the stories and the scoops. It's a crazy week for you, hey? It's that time of year. I will say that, I guess I get asked this a lot. I will tell you that I actually find June around the draft busier and crazier mm. than trade yeah. deadline, which is not to say trade deadline won't be crazy, but the quality of the moving parts and the kind of impactful decisions now that are made in the offseason around the draft tend to be a little more earth shattering. And so I find right. that time actually a little more stressful. Right on. Well, we look forward to reading your space in the athletic and watching you on trade center on TSN. Thanks pal. All right. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for your downloads and your subscriptions. Thanks for paying attention to us here on got your back NHL edition. And a big thanks as always to our title sponsor, Kuma outdoor gear. Have a great week, everybody. 